2: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: Well, I think it's about time to crack. A heaps normal.
4: You would crack a heaps normal any hour of the day.
3: <laughs> and sometimes I do. Actually, <laughs> when I when I was down in winter in Victoria, I surfed at that wave pool at Tullamarine. It was so freezing. The car was freezing and I got back in and there was a heaps normal like that. <laughs> it was really early in the morning. But I'd had a surf and I thought, "Well, wow, it's non-alcoholic. And drove off. Feeling quite proud of myself uh, it was awesome. But, I, you know, really, I have really loved getting back into beer because I really do like beer and I stopped drinking it because I stopped drinking alcohol and I wasn't really very enthused in the whole non-alcoholic beer thing. And getting into heaps normal, um, it tastes so good and it reminded me of the times that I do like to have a beer even though I don't like to drink alcohol. That's been awesome mm. because the world of beer is a cool cool world but the world of being a pisshead is boring and embarrassing
4: Mm. um (laughs) yeah it's true yeah i like how you can you can still do the things you used to do you know when you were having a beer like Mm. you know after a surf or particularly like it after you've been in the garden or you know mowing or at Mm. a gig Mm. so you can still do all those things yeah yeah but you're not getting smashed
3: yeah, because a lot of us have that perception, you know, oh, you know, and you think, okay, I can't do that thing. And I miss a beer at this time or that time. And you just think, well, like when I quit, I thought, okay, all those habits have to change. And actually, now it's a bit different to that because the habit of rewarding yourself with something with a beer doesn't have to change, it's just the mm-hmm. alcohol that's in it. Mm. That has to change. And I can understand if somebody feels like that's a trigger for them that they might not want to do that. And that's how I felt about it when I first quit. Now something changed in my mind where I just realized it was kind of an epiphany. No, beer's beer. You know, like they have decaffeinated coffee for people who want to really enjoy a coffee, but they don't want the caffeine and it's real coffee. Mm. You make it with a plunger.
4: That's a good point.
3: Only the taste buds Mm. can really work that out. (laughs) <laughs> because the you just think a beer has alcohol, it has to be you know an alcoholic beer. I mean, it does have a minute amount of alcohol in heaps normal, but classified as a non-alcoholic beer. I just love it, and it's actually beers come back into my life, and it's been cool to just enjoy those times that you can have one.
4: Yeah, I think it's really cool that you can do that and still enjoy that and not not be sloppy.
3: Yeah, and it's it's never made me, it's never ever made me think. Oh right, now it's time to just start drinking alcoholic beers and become a pisshead It has never crossed my mind Like I say, that might be different for some people Everybody has to think about how that works for them But for me, they're fucking awesome
4: Yeah, yeah They've given us a code for our community So if Mm. if anyone would like to take advantage of that Free shipping All you need to do is go over to heapsnormal.com Put in the code in uppercase H-I-Q-A For how I quit alcohol and receive free shipping on your order. Yay!
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're a beer drinker and you want to try one, I highly recommend the Heaps Normal. It's my favourite.
5: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind. Head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret?
4: I'm Danny Carr, and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi,
5: and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom Room, I'm so excited. Today we've got the awesome, legendary Marty Dinglewall in. Marty is an actor, is probably best known for his roles in Home and Away, Upper Middle Bogan, Underbelly, and a host of other... It's all branding. branding. (laughs) (laughs) So stoked to have you on. So Marty, how are you going?
1: Yeah, I'm really, really happy to be in the conversation with you.
5: Yeah, great to have you back in Australia for a very short visit.
1: Well, you-, you know, um, I, I, I my son lives here, so this is my base, but my work is over there in America. But, yes, lucky to have gotten out and then gotten back in. So just a privilege to be back in Australia.
5: Yeah, obviously we've got you here to talk about your journey with alcohol. Mm. I know that you've been eight years sober, but could you take us back and tell us a little bit about the journey, where it started,
1: how bad it got?
5: Well, I, I guess...
1: To contextualise it, I wasn't a daily drinker, even though, you know, I come from an Australian family, which by default are almost, we're all daily drinkers. Uh, But I wasn't doing that. It was more about who I became three or four drinks in. And it was just at the crossroads where I knew that fatherhood was on the horizon for me. My son, who's uh, nearly seven years old, his mother... At the time, prior to his arrival, had addressed it with me when I got um, about a year into living in Los Angeles and, um, you know, I was swinging and missing. Um, On one fateful morning, I'd wake up to a letter, uh, which was, this is me being as frank as I can be, just saying this is what my partner said to me last night. And on the back it said, this is who I am. It was a declaration of her qualities. And it said, I love you. We need help. And I had sort of KO'd only hours beforehand. So in reading that back, through my hangover I could I could recall the 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 words the lines the the venom and I would actually on that day take myself off that afternoon to my first local AA meeting which was an interesting journey because arriving in that hall the uh, organizer approached me and said good evening and who are you here with I was like "I'm, I'm not here with anyone and he sort of made mention that oh that's unusual well welcome there's the coffee um and he was just very delicate with me and I'd listened to a few confessions, as as happens in those meetings, and I was feeling pretty self righteous about myself because I'm like hearing horror stories and like that's that's not me. But sure enough, the last speaker prior to them opening the floor to the new blood, someone told me my story, and um, the excuses. Yeah, left the room.
5: Yeah, wow. So you heard your story through someone else essentially
1: yeah yeah to to, to the letter wow that's I've that was me last night um and then the um the the host of the evening um very very subtly sort of gave me a little eyeball and said the journey doesn't begin until you got some skin in the game and that means sharing so anyone knew and I was just like oh got up but but I, I want to say at this point to the listeners which is probably the most valuable thing that's going to come out of ever talking about this topic is that until I began my sharing and the soul switch or whatever went off and it was clear to me that there were two roads and I knew what that one looked like. And it's very emotional. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that one looked like. That could have been anything. But I want the audience to understand that up until that road appeared to me, the idea of not drinking again was inconceivable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In my cerebral logic realm, up here in my cranium, the idea of never drinking another beer or never sipping another wine or never having, you know, a, a cigar with a... I, I'm like, well, that's the primary colours leading life. What's the point of it?
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: it, it was not something that I could entertain and go, oh, okay, maybe. I just had the switch go off once I put flesh in the game and could see the road. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get my head. It, in fact, it was completely an elusive, um, joyless thought, the idea of a world without drink.
5: Which often it is before you start this journey. And it's, that's, a, that's a really big one for people, thinking fuck, does this mean I'm never actually going to be able to drink again? But I think there comes a time where once you've got through it all and a good amount of time down the track where you, well, I don't know, I can only speak for myself, but I don't really ever want to touch it again. I have i love my life so much now without it that for me, the thought of having it again just, it frightens the shit out of me actually.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I think, that, you know, well, I think undeniably an equation sort of births itself and, you know, and it's such a private odyssey, this journey. It mm. doesn't involve anyone else, but I mm-hmm. think, you know, the, the conversation within is like, what would I gain by having that glass of wine or that beer for whatever reason to, to fit in, if that's your crutch or looking at it and the aroma and it's missing the taste or this, is the ideas verse, what would I lose if I did and the concept of what I would lose, which I imagine is the theme for all of us, is like mm-hmm. there's just no way I'm going to compromise this.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what you have to weigh up, isn't it? And as you say, it's everyone's individual journey, but weighing that up, okay, like where I always say, like play it forward, where is this drink going to take me? And as you say, what's is it worth it?
1: You know, We've got 30 years of proof of where it takes us.
5: Totally. Tell me a little bit about your story. When did you start drinking alcohol and was it a family
1: kind of, was it? Oh Yeah. Like, like everyone in Australia, I imagine it, you know, it's, it's, it's part of my family. Um, mm-hmm. that's not controversial in Australia. Mm-hmm. That's just part of our families. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, to fit in, I probably tasted my first VB, which tasted like, you know, rust water when I was <laughs> 16, I didn't get it. Then, you know, you you de- gradually develop a taste and, you know, then you're around 20 and you actually, you, it's not even that you like the taste, but you like the effect of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, then you acclimatise the taste. Mm-hmm. But, you know, alcohol to me, it's clear is like such a, a psychological addiction because, you know, that became evident when I discovered the world of non-alcoholic beers. And like mm-hmm. the Carlton Zero to drop a label, that's like the best tasting beer I've ever tasted. And I don't drink much of it, but on mm-hmm. occasions... Mm-hmm. Kombucha or coconut water, you know how Byron you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might take one of them, and they taste incredible. So you know, it's 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 the journey because um, you can get the taste that can be simulated. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. um, but yeah, I, you know, I was uh, I, I was I was like I said, I was one of the lucky ones. My flip was not cerebral; it was deeply emotional. Um, mm. I you know I had the added benefit of I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a dad. And years later, okay, I want to be really careful here because this has a condescending tone to it and mm-hmm. that's the most risky terrain in this kind of chat. Mm-hmm. But I remember going back to LA and, and seeing an old neighbour and she offered me a joint and I'm like, oh, I passed and she offered me a beer and I'm like, pass. She's like, what, what, you know, you clean, cleaned up? I'm like, I didn't think about it in terms that dramatic, but I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I don't smoke or drink anymore. She just looked at me and went, huh you must really like yourself. Oh. And I was oh. like, mm. to hear it put in that language from a, someone in, in the valley. Wow. was such a bomb of like, maybe it is that. I mean, I think I'm on that road, but to hear it put that way, it's like, well, that's certainly what I'm pursuing.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I nearly started crying then that's how I feel in this journey too is, and it's not all the time, but definitely in a much better place with myself and my relationship with myself where I can genuinely say, I love myself now. When I was drinking all the time and I wasn't recognizing myself, I didn't love myself. I didn't even like myself. You know, I mean, what, do you,
1: what do you got to share with Ash? If you don't have your, your song and dance down pat, right? Exactly. To whatever extent, you mm-hmm. know, it's all work in progress, but Certainly, easier not putting a ton of shit in your own way.
5: Absolutely, <laughs> and that—that that not recognizing yourself was that something that was familiar to you
1: when you were drinking? Oh my god! Uh, I mean, you know, in truth, talk. I, 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 when I get together with past friends and they remind me of events, then <laughs> through that sort of associated recall, I can pull things up and go, "Oh my god!" Well, they'll show me a photograph or a drawing. I'll be like oh my god left on my by my own devices i've got decades in in vapors just Mm -hmm. nebulous nebulous living um -hmm. until i you know that's the primary thing la gave me apart from the acting career that i was pursuing was it was a spiritual path it's like let's let's get you on track and then let's see how you swing um and yet beautifully i i landed in fact, by offer, which was miraculous, my first you know, romantic lead in Hollywood, eight weeks after my decision to choose sobriety.
5: Ah, We've been talking about that recently with the group that I work with, this challenge group. A few of them are saying that now that they've taken this path and trying to tap into their higher selves, things are starting to open up for them. And that totally happened with Ash, especially with Ash with his music career, like so much opened up for him. Once he'd started to, once he'd given that away, and I guess, I guess it's just opening yourself up to the universe. Sorry to sound a bit, bit wanky here. Just
1: really getting it all, getting everything out of your way. Then what can happen if you're not putting obstacles in the way? What what is your, what is your reach? You know, how, how, how eclectic is your own imagination? Mm -hmm. You know, that sort of goes back to a a more base one hundred and one psychology. You know, the great quotes are, you know. You know, our greatest fear is fear itself. You know, the human nature is confronted by the idea of what could I be? Yeah, what could I be? Because I don't really want that chat because I'm not convinced I have an answer that's going to impress me, I'll just put some things in the way. That's that's our default programming. You know, it is just about like, you know, that's you don't even have to unpack anything. You just have to not bring stuff in
5: yeah that 's so true that fears the, those fears that we hold on to they definitely they work as a protective mechanism to stop us reaching our full potential because we are often frightened of what's what is possible so, so for you what what was it starting to look like so you said it wasn 't daily drinking but it was was it regular binge
1: drinking was it blacking out it was It was the reflex comfort of just having a drink if I came back and i didn 't smash an audition. Or i got a parking to get just a place to go that I knew. And that just dulled emotions that I didn't want to deal with. And one beer just automatically became two or three, which would release my demons. And my demons were, you know, the source of my self-loathing. And, you know, your self-loathing has nowhere to go, but into the lap of the one you love you know, Kendrick Lamar has a great quote and he says, you know, we, we, we burn the ones we love and we love the ones that burn us. You know, there, there are glitches in human psychology. But, yeah, it, it, it was just that. It was, it was sloppiness. It was lack of responsibility. It was a blame, internal blame culture. Would you have developed um, as much of a drinking problem had you
5: stayed in Australia, do you think?
1: Oh, I just think it would have gone unacknowledged it just never would have been a thing. It, would, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been observed as anything because, you know, in Australia we're, we're on the beach, you know, you, you, you can wake up and you can go and smash yourself into the waves and be like, oh, oh, my God, and pull yourself a third out of your hangover and stumble back and, you know, cook some whatever. And the Australian coastal lifestyle is, is very efficient at sort of the medium reboot. Our, our lifestyle permits charming personalities but a bit of apathy you know you know not to get too dark about it but you know with with the lockdowns i think we're smack bang into the era of the highest recorded youth male suicide rate you know when when jews companies get shut down but you know bws is essential business it's like yeah it's going to require a bit of self-discipline isn't it
5: yeah there's definitely i think out of these lockdowns there's been a lot of Obviously, alcohol consumption has gone through the roof and as people deal with their stress and those emotions that you were speaking of before, just when we're not able to know how to sit with our emotions, what do we do? Then we reach for the bottle because we want to numb out of it and get out of it. What did you do? So after you've gone to your first AA meeting, yeah. when the emotions would inevitably turn up for you, how did you learn to deal with them
1: without alcohol? So you know what, Danny, I think I was really, really one of the truly lucky ones in the sense that once the switch went it wasn't a process for me of like now how do I deal with it without alcohol mm-hmm. alcohol was just gone it was just out of the mm-hmm. equation there, there wasn't a reckoning or a reconciling or or a or a reaffirming or a re-earthing or like okay i have got to do this without I, I never went through that valley of negotiating Great. Uh, which maybe I would have if it had been cerebral, uh, but maybe I'm not strong enough to have taken this road had it just been cerebral. It came from down here in the solar plexus. You know, it, it, was, it was a soul awakening of the two roads. Mm-hmm. I had the choice to never let my pending child ever know me as a person that handed away himself. You know, that, that, that's the part that gets a little bit sort of self-righteous but it's not at all Mm -hmm. Um, but no I I didn't have the like how am I going to do this and I know there are so many variations on the grid of this journey and I don't in fact full tilt respect to people that have to hit three meetings a day just to not do it Mm -hmm. like whoa for me once it left it was like I mean a week in a sobriety I was just like Again, it was, it, it, it was close to religious. I mean, I, let's, be, let's be clear mm-hmm. that the, the, the months that would follow my initial decision, my life would effectively fall apart. Mm-hmm. Like, In what way? Oh, look, you know, my relationship ended. Um, years of self-deception, convenient lies, um, just inauthenticity, just came up tsunami after tsunami and and just showing me just how the fuck have you been getting from Monday to Tuesday as this person? Again, that's very private dialogue, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's not like, you know, you have a shower and like, okay, I'm sober now, on you go. No, your next step, the ground gives way beneath you. And the next step it gives way beneath you, but there's no denying the, the, the tears, the discovery, you know, that it's all linked to a purging, which is healing. And maybe that's how you do it yes heading to something that doesn't require escape anymore it just requires calling up your demons and going right
5: Mm -hmm. let's go yeah yeah that's the stuff right there (laughs) yeah
1: for those of us to take the path is that's it's it's how how would you attempt to put conversation that penetrates it ever remotely into the public forum because it's just such a personal journey Mm -hmm. it's good that we're trying
5: (laughs) yeah yeah i love that you moved to tears right now because it is such an emotional thing and it's so huge it's not it's it is such a big personal journey and one of so much growth and you do with that authenticity there's so much healing and getting to know yourself and it's massive
1: my son has never seen me crawl out of bed and hold my head and go fuck and swear to myself and, you know, go and mm-hmm. kiss on the toilet seat and have a shower and go, oh, he's never seen that person because that person, I've got to choose a path away from him.
5: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's deeply emotional. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, okay?
1: It's so okay.
5: Yeah. <laughs> It is, isn't it
1: so yeah. good to feel this stuff I, I, we should probably take this moment in fact to say to the audience that watches or listens that um when you get sober you do a ton of this shit mm. what you don't do however is sort of anchor into it and become a sook about it and a victim about it and you know self-loathing about it because you see it as okay okay come through fuck that moves through and you're like okay okay i'm a little less scared of that emotion than i was an hour ago yeah. It's such a purging. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. There's such a fear of of our feelings at times. So then, you know, we want to escape them. But if they are just feelings, you know, and it is okay to sit with them, it's okay to be uncomfortable for a bit. That's where the growth happens.
1: I think this is where the power of language comes into it. And in that, you know, it doesn't need to be painful. It can just be real. It can just be what's happening. And you've made a choice to move in a certain direction purely because you've identified aspects of your personality. You know, the first question in the, tw- in the program is do you have a hundred percent control over who you become as a drinker? Well, of course you don't. So immediately it's inescapable,
3: mm.
1: which is why we will put off even the surface level chat about it. Cause I don't want to be, I don't want to be checkmated by the first fucking question. Um, you know, which is you know why we're good at dancing and moving around it. So you know, lucky are us that get so exhausted by it that we're like, "What the fucks it gonna take?" Like, when when do I get this? Mm. But I, I I'll say for my personal creative journey, you know, I came from Walt Disney as a cartoonist. So I discovered theater, which was like the embodiment of my, all my dreams. And then you know, it, it, it did years and years of that, and then at twenty for, you know, I booked my first real full-time TV role, which was with Home and Away, and so I became an instant celebrity, you know, so, you know, that lifestyle served me. But I'll tell you, you know, you you would utilise the work to purge your demons in the form of character. And once I got sober, then it was just a question of, like, let's just follow this and see how deep it goes. Like, my journey as an artist, as a performance artist, is so overwhelming. Now, as a as a person that decided that I'm I'm going to take life on its terms, you know, the, the, where I get to go exploring, it's just a whole other journey now. So, you know, if you are in any way in the arts, the door's there. Knock on it at will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
5: So many people think to be in the arts, you have to, you know, you need a, a mind altering substance. Right. If you're not an actor, if you're not a musician, there's there's so many. Ways in which you can lean into creativity and express yourself that way.
1: I, I, I would say for those that aren't building their life through the channel of the arts, the, the journey of sobriety is even more worth examining because at mm-hmm. least through the arts we have an outlet that we've been able to push the energy, whether it be conflict based, you know, seeking harmonics, whatever. But if you're, you know, if you've signed on to a more conventional career path, you're doing nine to five. You know, it is likely that some part of you feels like it's, like it's ignoring an important part of you. You know, not everyone is an artist, but everyone has a form of expression. And if that's not being acknowledged, that's going to create a blockage somewhere, um, you know, and that, that, that's where, you know, the, the reaching and seeking comes from. So, yeah, you know, the, the more conventional, you know, the people making the system run, this is really for you.
5: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, all
5: those years you know kids and work and family and marriage and we do tend to without
2: hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team
1: if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f are you talking about you insane hollywood ass!"
2: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
5: The huge weight of responsibility of life. We don't feel like it's sort of okay sometimes to lean into our creative side because we feel like that would be indulgent in a way. Like you say, there's a blockage there. We block so much. We block our spirituality. We block our, that, that side of us, our creativity, all those beautiful sides of us, which gives us so much expression.
3: Look,
1: the money past 18, you know, we, we, we're trained to think in terms of acquisition. So we've got, to know, we've got to know how to monetize everything. And so, you know, the creative road is like, okay, you can draw your picture, but how are you going to make money from that? And, you know, so to backtrack, you know, to pull the thread, requires going so far back to, okay, what what what's, this, what's my song? You know, mm-hmm. I, I use that term not, even, not just for asking yourself, but I really believe, you know, we're on we're the land of songlines, songlines around the world. We've all got a song, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's a Native American, it, it's an Indigenous truth. We've got a song. And if mm-hmm. you don't know your song, you will not survive.
5: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a great, I don't know if you know Wayne Dyer, but he's got a great book called Don't Die With Your Music Still In You. And uh, it's just such a beautiful book about this exact stuff, you know, like we have so much potential within us and it's, it's all there. So, and I I definitely, without sounding like a self-righteous turd, I do think that sobriety is definitely a way to really tap into that and, and really harness that for sure. So with the AA, did you, did you actually do the steps? Was it just that you needed to go and just sort of front up to
1: that one meeting? Oh, look, I've, um, uh, whilst there are meetings in every pocket of the world, I did um, the first sort of six months doing the meetings as much as I needed to. I also found out in LA, there are various different forms of that meeting. There are some really heavy, depressed, struggling rooms, and there are some virtually Pentecostal rooms. You know, mm-hmm. So I found them soon enough. And yes, I worked through the programs and I read the book, you know, and as well, I don't know if you do know, but at the essence of the program, it's about, you know, be of service. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's probably as close as, you know, the layman gets to, you know, religion because, you know, religion, at least their bumper sticker is be a service that, you know, AA seems to really be about mentor where you can first and foremost, let's harness selfishness, you know, be, be your best friend, be selfish, you know, make sure you're at your level. That's, you know, that's how you're in a position to, to give any energy away. And I, I think you just sort of like start to build your life around it a bit. It's like, you know, you get into the modality of, I mean, look, all, all I know is that when I went into my first meeting, a guy came up to me. First, he was surprised that no one had bought me and said, well, listen, there's going to be a time for you to talk. So um, I'm going to really encourage that because that's, that's, where you, that's where you put some blood on the floor. Mm-hmm. and then you know in the in the smallest way he just kind of looked at me and said this is that time and it was, it was it was sort of like the, the tenderness i guess with how he handled the invitation that just allowed me to just sort of despite myself just kind of get up and be like okay and not knowing what i was going to say and standing at that that rostrum that podium with that microphone in front of me looking at maybe 20 people who couldn't have looked more like cartoon characters with their enthusiasm like okay okay and then you realize there was a real support group. Like they were really like, we're here to receive it. Because in general society, you know, maybe it's just like checking my phone or where, where's the coffee or the myriad of things. In those rooms, it's a really concentrated energy on the purpose of why you're in there. They're very unique that way. And when I saw them looking at me, it just started. It's just like, oh, fucking God. And you just know that nothing but the, despite your best trained self of presenting a bravado version of you all that can come up is the truth it's like and that's where you're in a in an environment where it's safe to say i'm fucking broken i don't know how to fix it i don't know how to fix this but i've been led here so anyone got any pointers they're all like yep I can help you. I <laughs> <lie>. <laughs> so AA is profoundly unique in the functionary role in society. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of power in the fact that now it's been reinvigorated a bit. They're taking away, you know, I am an alcoholic because, you know, that's a declaration of something disempowering. Um, I was, was going to ask
5: about that. Yeah, because that's one problem I have with it, with this whole calling yourself an alcoholic for life. I, I, that doesn't resonate with me at
1: all. Yeah, it's really time now. It's 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 mm-hmm. really, um, you know, this guy Drew Wild that's on online, and yourself. I saw your post about, you know, are you are you working on the goods? Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like, yeah, everything's up. This is all, you know, this is all occurring, of course in the Great Reset. Everyone is really understanding the potency behind the spoken word. You know, spelling. We're casting spells. I am dysfunctional. That doesn't work anymore. So how, you know, I am in recovery, still not so powerful. I am on my path. Now that's starting to hum, you know, I I am of purpose. You know, where does that sit? You know, yeah, we're getting all very empowered by the fact that, you know, hey, we've got vocal cords, man. we build our own vocabulary.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
5: (laughs) I I love that. I so believe there's so much power in our words and, that's, that's why those statements, you've got to be so careful with what you say about yourself because... Oh,
1: you're the songwriters. You're yeah. The songwriters. <laughs> yeah totally. You put, you put the, the, the chorus lines out into the world. Yeah, pretty powerful.
5: <laughs> it is. So, so when you did have, I mean, there must have been times or were there times where you did feel that pull to drink or you felt the cravings or the urges. How did you manage those if you did uh,
1: have them? That's a really good question. Through, through other senses. I will be sitting at a, at a really beautiful table and I can smell, you know, we know what shit red wine is and we know what really nice red wine is. We hear the clink, clunk, clunk, clunk when it mm-hmm. lands in a thin glass and we can smell a good IPA or, you know, craft beer. We, you can smell it. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, then there's the, the whiskey. I mean, the, the aromatically. And, but I literally, semi-frequently, <laughs> would take someone's wine and be like, I'd smell it. Or you know, I can I can get a good NAB, but they don't make good substitute wines or whiskies. And I'll pick up someone's you know, whiskey, and I'll be like, oh my god, yeah. And I'll really feel it move through the back of my throat, where that copper taste used to run down into my shoulders, and be like. And of course, you know, as drinkers, we know it's only that first or second hit that really gives us that zing. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, it's habitual. But I can sort of get that out of like. Oh, but of course I know where that first sip. I know the floodgate it will open, and I'm, you know, in a position to be like, no, 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 just, just wanted the aroma.
5: Oh my God, that's interesting because I went to a, a beautiful restaurant a while back in Melbourne, El with a good friend of mine, and she's got she got a beautiful red, and I could smell it from where I was sitting, and she was like, do you want to smell it? And I had this this like I wanted to smell it, but I could already sort of smell it.
1: Right. I think that would make me want to drink it. <laughs> That, well, that, that that is the part that becomes, you know, I, I have had countless three a. m's in the morning, where the glug 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 of the whiskey, and it's like, let me just hold the cigar and just smell that. <laughs> so I've, I've got myself to a place where you know I, I can exert that level of ownership over my neurological being. You know, it's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah, so yeah,
5: yeah. there was a bit
1: of there was a bit of sniff sniff therapy and (laughs) oh my god but I mean you know part part of the work as you know of of an actor is you know if you go back through repetition myosin techniques or you know you go on a method they work on senses you know and part of that was you know open up you know what was a childhood smell for me it was like a pesto smell that and see where it took you and you know as you start to cultivate the the fact that you can have an emotional journey um through through an aroma and you know my, my my work by definition is choosing to go as neck deep as I possibly ever can on an emotional journey. Mm-hmm. So that's just part of my sphere of, you know, tantalization, I guess.
5: Amazing. So, yeah. and any, any other, any other ways in which you tackled it or just, just this smelling, like, did you have to get more active? Did you get
1: more spiritual? Oh, I mean, meditation became infinitely easier. hmm I can now, you know, get into my little double lotus, you know, and give myself, you know, 25 minutes on the clock and go right in um, through some beautiful deep breaths and then know when I get the rumble and come out of it and know that that's served me instead of the idea of, you know, if, if you're trying to counter a lifestyle with another lifestyle, it's like, well, I, I should have sat for 40 minutes and all that nonsensical bullshit is under my playbook anymore. And, you know, I do a lot of, I do a lot of work with the Abraham Hicks world, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm really, really into that, um, you know, nothing happens to you that doesn't come out of, you know, the realm of choice. Um, mm. So that's, you know, you, 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 know, you, you wait until a moment, you know, when you're in the best positive state of mind about something, that's when you action it. So yeah, I, I would say probably the bump sticker response would be life became 110% less complicated on my road of sobriety. Mm. yeah
5: so how much better is life for you on the other
1: side without alcohol I actually still have friends of mine kindly saying to me I'm in awe of your discipline and my only response is brothers and sisters man this has nothing to do with discipline like it does not even occur to me when there's a party on I I do not have the experience of I'm not drinking or I'm not, you know, doing a line of coke or I'm not jumping on the joint. It's it's just it's just not where I reside anymore. You know if I didn't mention it, it wouldn't be a thing, but of course it gets offered and mentioned, so it becomes a thing. It (laughs) does happen at different times for different people, but well that you know that's gotta be certainly that's gotta be the greatest hurdle. And I mean, I, I know um I know a you know fairly famous actor dude that was just like the reason he got on and off the train was he came to realise that his social community was so deeply built on having a beer that when he, as was his need to pull out, when he didn't drink, there were key functional parts of his life. There was his life structure that he wasn't attending. So he was dealing with chronic loneliness and not fitting in. So then he decided to drink to re-emerge. So he's got a harder journey. Um, I just was doing all the same things. Like nothing about my life, really nothing about my life changed. In any in any negative way, um, which is you know just that's that's the blessing of my journey. You know, it it, it didn't. I went through all the same things. My I, I lost one friend who was really confronted by it and and sort of I think probably took it as what's so am the loser. I'm like, <laughs> that's an interpretation. Um, no, no, dude, I'm I'm the loser if anyone is in this equation, and I'm trying to fix that. And they're like, well, you know, then I got a little thing saying, a text, I think, a month later saying, we haven't spoken. Um, you've changed, man. I'm like, maybe. Okay, I'll live with that. You know, this is the mm-hmm. payoff. I'll, I'll live with that. And it's like, so, you know, there was no, no massive lifestyle collateral damage in my journey at all, which makes me, you know, yeah, one of the lucky ones. Yeah. But like my art, my music, my community, my friends, what, whatever else, they're all... You know, and I and I'm seeing, you know, Nathan and, and and people that are taking this road just boom. You know, and separate to the commercial variation of success, that happens when there's an inner success and that's what you're celebrating.
5: Yes. And that's what's most important, you know, that that relationship. members responding to Nathan about something he posted, Nathan K, has been on the podcast. Kay. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he's a out. mutual friend and a wonderful musician and a great actor. He was actually over here a few weeks ago giving our daughter some help with an audition.
1: She's got great. Yeah, yeah up. right. Oh, and it, he, it, was,
5: it, he was it, amazing. Too talented. Yeah,
1: he's too talented. Oh, Everyone, he's shook from Muriel's wedding, Nathan Gay. Okay? Shook from Muriel's wedding. That's it. Yeah, he's <laughs> been on
5: this, he was brilliant on this podcast. People loved it. Now, cool. where was I going to with that? Oh, and something he'd said in response to something on social media and I just was saying to him that the greatest success you can have is the relationship with yourself. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what gigs you get or acting role or anything or how much money is in your bank. It's all about the relationship that you have with yourself. And that has to be the most important thing. And
1: that is, that is the measure of success. And, and, and strangely enough, that's probably the most touch sensitive component of this discussion because Human beings, you know, the system-wise us to be, to, to outsource that, which by default is competitiveness. So when a person makes a sovereign choice to walk a different road and the inevitable result is, you know, the, the, the arrival of your demons and on the other side of that is some peace, um, you know, uh, strangely enough, that's one of the things that gets judged as being superior or self-righteous and it's like it's 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 really not
5: yeah it's not at all is it
1: it's just strangely enough this thing that has attracted so many opinions is the most personal thing about me yeah
5: (laughs) you're brilliant so my last question is just and this i ask everyone this on the podcast if you could go back and spend some time with your 16 year old self
1: yeah what would you say to to him I, you know, I, I really, I wouldn't change a thing. I'd say, you know, because the, the, the impulsive, this is the guts, right? The impulsive first thought when I'm on that podium and the switch goes and I saw that acceptance and I realised there was a community that would carry you through this, this was not a solo path. Strangely enough, the drinking is a solo path, but it's perceived as a communal path. The actual sobriety is the communal path, which is perceived as the solo path. Right? So there's that reversal of actuality. But one of the first thoughts that occurred to me when I realized this is scary language, but, you know, I've been saved. I'm I'm taking that road. And there's nothing aggressive about it. It's a really calm, I'm going this way. Hmm. The first thought that came up was I fucking lived. I made it. I mean, I know situations I put myself into, and it's just like I fucking lived. And now if I die, it's not going to be from stupidity. It'll be for a reason. But I got there, so all I'd say to Marty at 16 is like, man, drink it up because you make it across the line.
5: Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) That's so awesome. And funnily enough, most people do say that they wouldn't
1: change a thing. You know, they wouldn't change (laughs) anything, you know. It's like, it's like finding any art and saying, oh, I wish I knew this 10 years ago or I wish I discovered this 20 years ago. I was like, really? Like w- why now impose the joy of what you've discovered in, 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 and transmute that into a regret? What's that?
5: Yes, it's so true. Yes, you can't regret. The journey gets you to where you are and the worse the journey gets, often the more you get out of it in the end anyway. You know, there's that emotional leverage there to really change.
1: And and, and the great sages, if you know, if they're on... In unison on one message, it's like the idea of like making a discovery and then feeding that with the regret of the perceived wasted years leading up to it, that is the ultimate act of self-indulgence. Yes. It's like SN Gawenka, who is the guy that bought the Pashna, which is the 10-day silent meditation retreat that he went in Australia, mm-hmm. SN Goenka bought it out here. And in 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 his rants and chants, He's like, okay, when you have these pop moments and you discover something, instead of like, oh, my God, how come I didn't? He's like, give yourself three minutes with that moment of discovery and that swirl of regret. Honor it for three minutes. Anything beyond that is the most burnt of all energy. Wow, that's really amazing. That's so true, too. And he said, and he said, and and it, it is the... Ultimate example of irresponsibility. You've discovered a new way, and now you're going to feed back thoughts about that. Just go. Like I said, that that is the human self indulgence. It's like no, 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 no. We 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 eradicate all of that talk. Yeah, but and, really- and I think that's part of the dojo of, of the sober. Is you know we get fanatical, we get samurai level disciplined about the words we use, the thoughts we carry, and that probably falls under the under the under the guide of like uh you you know you're self-righteous that probably falls under a sense of judgment if it's in each shot of anyone that's not on our road. Mm, yeah that's true too which is unfortunate but I guess well listen man we 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 were all there you know we've all you know I've I've I happen to have chosen you know a vegan sober lifestyle it's like there's a process to this one day you became vegan unless you're one of those rare ones that was born into it but one day you put something together and went, I'm not gonna be fucking part of this anymore. You know, and I, I had that soul switch on two levels in, you know, as a carnivore twenty five years ago and as as a drinker. And it's just like, no, 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 no. Just like don't engage the war. Don't engage the war. It's like, you know, yeah. And, yeah.
5: Don't engage the war. And I love that too, just like that thought, that moment, that switch where the hammer hits, where you're like, actually, I'm not going to engage in this. I'm not going to be part of this anymore. It's such a powerful moment. Um, so, Marty, tell us about what you've got coming up. I know you're going back to L.A. And I also wanted to talk to you about your masterclass. If you can just quickly tell us
1: a bit about that. Look, I just, uh, about three years ago, um, myself, my son's mother and um, my son moved back from L.A. He lives down the road with her. Um, but when I moved up here, I, you know, all my work was still in L.A., and there were, you know, a number of productions here. So I arrived across the Queensland border and, you know, was warmly welcomed, which was awesome. But I just decided that, you know, I've got a bit of a profile and I've got a career in screen work. So why not set up, you know, a masterclass in screen acting? And so I, I, I did the ads. I, you know, go to martindinglewall.com You'll see the link. So I teach these masterclasses here and it's, it's great. The industry up here is booming now and um, I have a lovely relationship with teaching my students, you know, it's just a ripe, you know, prosperous, fertile ground up here. So I'm, I'm teaching. I start shooting a film on Friday up here and um, I've got two series leads in the States. One's called Cypher, which we're waiting to hear about season two and a comedy called Boned, the pilot of which is a comedy um, directed by Alison Eastwood about dog rescue in LA And everything else, you know, multiple other projects in various stages of, you know, coming up through the ground. Is the Masterclass, is that online or is it in person? Uh, They have been in person. Um, I had to shut down twice due to a COVID theoretical restriction and my shooting dates. But um, I'm actually just about to set up the Zoom link literally in the next week to start doing it online. Um, But I have been running them thus far at a venue down here called the Dust Temple. I don't know if anyone knows Currumbin on Currumbin Creek Road. There's the great, you know, art space, Dust Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, they've kindly let me occupy that space on a Wednesday night. So that's where that's been happening. I prefer in person, but I, I get, there's, you know, a, a, a greater, greater resource at times for, you know, having 20 people online. So that's how that's rolling. That is really awesome. Thank so you. if
5: someone was interested in that, would they have to have had you know, like we were talking about earlier, they want to start tapping into that more creative side. Would they have to have had experience? Or can they just come and be taught by...
1: That's the joy of this. You know, that's the joy of this. Mm. Whilst it's, you know, a masterclass in camera awareness, this work just starts with self-awareness. That's all this is. I mean, you know, the road of self-awareness, and we, you know, we use a script to examine aspects of ourselves and and, and i I think the foundational work of acting is just self-awareness therefore it's a a, a form of life coaching Um, and it's just connecting a person with themselves you know and when they're like you can see when they enter their body when confusion leaves they're like oh my god oh my god and it's like okay now let's go to work and it's it's just you know it's just it's just a dance you know it's really
5: great for confidence so I did a, a theater just a theater like a, in Brunswick Heads a theater course um which went for six months or something right. uh, just to get out of my own comfort zone and I think doing things like this is great to get out of your comfort zone and like I've performed lots but never done any acting or anything like that but just that whole even at the start of the you know where we do a lot of movement and right, you know right. interpret and at first I was like oh this is a bit wanky and I was just like honey you're just being such a judgmental twat like just go and, and go and let your fears, leave your fears at the door and go into it. And it was one of the best things I've ever done for myself in terms of that connection with myself and actually on my own self, my, my confidence and yeah, like stepping out of the comfort zone, which I think is really important. So that's awesome.
1: And I I wish, um, uh, yeah, I think of the essence of the, of, of the, the reason you would explore a path like that is like. The more aware you become as a person, sort of the braver you become. And the braver you become, the more courageous you get in the exploring, which is what performance art is. And once people like get some of their nonsense out of the way or, or just defuse it, I've seen, I've seen people walk out of these rooms with their posture two inches taller. I mean, it's, it's, it's really powerful.
4: Oh,
5: it so is. Look, even with Nathan here working with Sunny the other day, just the way he brought her kind of out of her body, but sort of in like, she was more grounded and he was so brilliant with her, but it was so great. It was so great for her confidence. I also think there'd be a great component on people working with their own trauma. And and acting, I think it would be such a great thing. Anyway,
1: I digress. That's all we're doing. That's all we're doing as musicians and, and, and actors and what have you is, you know, we're, we're forever reaching down and grabbing something touch sensitive, which is a trauma line, and and, and summoning it into into our life you know, into our power. That I mean, our only job as human beings, anyway, is to sit with something that triggers us with trauma and turn it into a superpower, like an ally. That's all our job is, anyway. Um, whether or not you're nine to fiving or you're, you know, surfing the wave, it's, you know, the upside and the luxury of the artist is we've just committed far more hours to it because we chose to find the song. Yes.
5: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, well, Marty, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us today. It was absolutely such an honour to
1: get to talk to you. And uh, oh, what yeah. a treat. thank you for the service you're providing to community and doing this. Thanks so thank much. You for your time. Be well, everyone.
5: many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change the how i quit alcohol playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude daily affirmation and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer
4: future head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today